We take a single episode of a science fiction TV series and overanalyze it to within an inch of its life. This is the Fusion Patrol Podcast. Welcome to the discussion. Hello and welcome to another episode of Fusion Patrol. I'm Eugene. And I'm Ben. And tonight we're looking at the Battlestar Galactica episode two-parter, The Living Legend. While on patrol, Apollo and Starbuck encounter the Battlestar Pegasus, a long-thought-lost Battlestar from the Fifth Fleet that was wiped out two yarns ago. The Pegasus is commanded by Kane, the greatest military legend in colonial history. Meanwhile, the Galactica and the fleet have serious problems. As they near the heart of the Delphian Empire, they run out of fuel, and the fleet comes to a stop. Unbeknownst to Adama, the Delphian Empire has been destroyed by the Cylons, and their home planet Gamore has been made into the Cylons' second capital. Meanwhile, Baltar, ever on their tail, has finally got enough reinforcements that he feels he can make a clean, decisive military victory over Adama and the fleet. With the two battle stars reunited, differing philosophies emerge. Adama sees this as a chance to adequately protect the fleet with two warships, and with Kane's military genius, they should have no problem raiding sufficient fuel for the fleet to escape the quadrant. Kane, on the other hand, wants to destroy the Cylon capital on Gamore and establish a base from which they can protect the fleet and defeat the Cylon Empire. Adama overrules him, and they mount a raid to intercept two Cylon fuel tankers, but Kane sabotages the mission by destroying the tankers to force Adama into agreeing to his plan to take Gamore. Adama briefly relieves him of his command, but when Baltar launches his attack, Adama restores Kane's command, and the surprise appearance of the second battle star forces Baltar's squadrons into retreat. Kane develops a plan to use a ground force to knock out the planetary defenses of Gamore, allowing the Galacticus forces to bombard the planet and secure the fuel the fleet needs, while Kane takes the Pegasus to lure off Baltar's incoming base stars. Of course, that's not really what Kane had planned. He plans a campaign that draws Baltar's fighters away from his base stars, and plans to finish with a near-certain suicide attack of the Pegasus on Baltar's ship. Apollo and Starbuck get in on the action, but after massive explosions of some or all of the base stars, they cannot see the Pegasus and must flee the returning Cylon fighters. The fate of Cain and the Pegasus remains unknown, but his daughter Sheba, wounded in battle, along with most of the crew and fighters of the Pegasus, find a new home on the Galactica. Oh, and Cassiopeia used to be Kane's lover, much to Starbuck's chagrin, but since Kane has probably been blown to atoms, all ends well for Starbuck and Cassiopeia. The Living Legend, two-part episode starring the legendary Lloyd Bridges as Commander Kane and or George Patton, depending on, or is it MacArthur? Which one was it that basically was always in trouble? Oh, it was Patton. It was definitely Patton. Okay, anyway, Living Legend. <laughs> How um, how did this one work for you? Better than some of the ones we've had in the past. Some, but not all. Yes, some, but not okay. all. Okay. Uh, I found this to be a bit of a return to the the attempts at the a sweeping space operatic type story 
than these ridiculous procedurals that took place on planets that were perpetually at night. Yes. Yes. So that means basically the pilot you're talking about, maybe. <laughs> well, the pilot as well as um, uh, the, the, the episodes that followed that, the two episodes that followed the two-parter. Oh, yeah, yeah. Okay. The, the one set on COBOL. Right. I can't think of its name. I just saw the, it last night, and I can't think of the name either. Something of the Gods? Uh, yeah, something. City of the Gods, World of the Gods, Planet of the Gods. Huh. Huh. That was a quick one to lose. <laughs> Big title. I can remember the Young Lords, but uh, yeah, the other ones. They got the planet. Anyway. Lost um, Planet of the Gods. There we go. Lost Planet of the Gods. Good. That sounds... That sounds right. Yeah. Yeah, that definitely sounds right. Um, yeah, I I thought this was... <clears throat> um, a lot of my criticisms of many of the other episodes have been addressed in this one. And I like that. I like the fact that the reason they have to go to Gamora is not because... There's no other way we can pass space here. You know, that trope. It's like, okay, you happen to be heading that way. You thought Gamore was a peaceful, well, I assume they thought it was peaceful. Well, they did they at one time. An, yeah. An empire. They, they thought yeah, it, the was, it was, yeah, they, they, it was part of a ascension race that was not Cylon. So, yeah, well, they, I, they I, thought I, it was, I mean, at least they didn't think it would be hostile. Okay, that that was that was why I caveated that. They thought it was a peaceful place. I don't know if they thought it was a peaceful place, but they thought it was a non-Cylon empire <laughs> that that presumably they thought they could pass through their space without too much of a problem. So, right. you know, that's one. And then they just run out of fuel. So they're stuck there. So for the whole time, you know, this is not a this is not a oh we can't go left, we can't go right, we can't go up. They they can't do anything because no, they're they stuck. A, no, the, you know. For once, the the reason that they have to be here and they can't go somewhere else is simply because they can't go somewhere else. They can't. They can't move. They can't make a stupid argument about pulsars and this channel and this that thing and yeah, you know, all that stuff. So that that was good. Um, the 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 military battles in this, whether it was because they were. I don't want to say narrated to us, but in other words, they were explained to us. There was something going on. It wasn't just fling the fighters, fling the fighters, shoot, 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 kind of thing, which is what it's always been in the past, right? Mm -hmm. Just launch fighters, fight, launch, right. fight, fight. No strategy, no, no, you know, tactics, no plans, no nothing, just kind of pointless and frankly tedious flying around and shooting stuff um and and here when the fighters are in the air they've got a mission they've got a job to do and they are in support of the battle stars which are actually doing something for a change mm -hmm. and not just being a target and so we we finally kind of get a a feel of what space warfare might have been like in the Cylon War, right? right? Not not just a defensive action, and I I really like that. I don't really 
I'm not really a big fan of space battles and wars and stuff like that. But if you're going to do it, at least, you know, do a system that that takes advantage of, of what you've got and and puts together a sort of cogent strategy of using the tools at your hand. So <clears throat> those sort of things I like. Nobody was particularly stupid in this episode. Maybe Starbuck once or twice, but not much. I didn't think he was... No, I didn't think anybody was actually stupid, but boy, did I have a problem with Kane in part one. Okay. Well, you're supposed to have a problem with Kane in part one. I mean, you're supposed to have a problem with Kane all through the thing. Kane is Kane is a military man who, you know, probably I don't know what the colonials are like, but you know, the military should be sworn to protect the civilians, and he's completely and utterly not going to do that. No, uh, well, until he's called on it, and even at the end, he'd have been far more useful with the Pegasus attached to the fleet. Yeah, he would have. You know? But no, I'm gonna make this is my last battle. I'm going out. It's like okay, you yeah, know. Yeah, but he's also a guy who sort of believes his own press. Yes, I mean, he because he's so. I mean, look, he's he's been slapped with that label of being the living legend, and he's gotten to the point where he believes it now. I mean, he I, really is. I you know he, he with short of actually declaring. That he's the living legend. He certainly has that um, arrogance and, and that, that hubris in on all his decisions, you know, because because it, it's me. That's the pattern that they're trying to go for. I mean, they've 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 even dressed him up a little bit like it just to kind a of a little bit, that even illusion. with that stupid Swagger stick. stick. Yeah. Oh, man, I wanted to take that and just bash it over his head. <laughs> yeah. But, you know, yeah. I I think one of or one a, a complaint if I wanted to make it about that is okay we're repeatedly told you know even when Kane's not in the room like Apollo he is the greatest warrior military genius ever yeah this war has been going on two thousand yarns and if he's the he's greatest, the greatest of all ever of them. yeah. Um, you know, it's possible, you know, I'm, I'm not saying that, you know, at some point during that 2000 years, you had to have the greatest be alive and he had to be in command. And I suppose it, he could be, um, this one, but it, I would have liked the phrase one of the greatest. Yeah. In history. I I agree with you. Yeah. I agree with you. You know, then I, I would not have quite so much trouble swallowing the fact that this guy is is, you know, number one alpha dog when it comes to fighting in the colonies. Mm-hmm. And you know, if if he thought he could take the Cylon Empire with two battle stars and the planet Gamora, why couldn't he take it with a whole damn fleet and all the colony worlds being, uh, you know, alive and thriving? Right. I mean, it's not it's not so simple when he proposes to Adama, they take that planet and hold it and then defeat the Cylon Empire. Like, 
You couldn't do this for 2,000 years. Yeah, for that entire time before you... civilization, you couldn't take it. And right. that whole... And he couldn't take fifth, it. No, and that whole fifth fleet thing. Yeah, they couldn't have ended the war. If he's supposed mm-hmm. to be that much of a genius, he could have at least created a healthy enough strategy for the entire colonial battle fleet... Uh-huh. To be able to come up with some kind of a decisive strike. I mean, something about it just doesn't ring true. Right. And so we have to take into account, A, you know, he's he's believing his own press. And I'm sure that that's been in, enhanced by being two years the only thing keeping everybody alive yeah. out there. But on top of that, we have to work on the assumption that he's a little bit unstable. Yeah, a bit, I would that say. he's, you know, he's not, he is a bit of a liability in a way. And um, in terms of, well, he would, he, he would have, I'm sure he would have caused nothing but problems for Adama. Oh, God, you think? I really would like to think that a great military leader can follow his orders the type of orders that that he was given, right? So Adama says, look, we're going to take two tankers. Our goal is to protect the fleet, and we're going to take tankers, and we're going to get the hell out of here. Mm-hmm. Okay. And he's like, no, I want to take the planet, and then we can strike back at the Cylons and, and destroy it. You could put those as two opposing military philosophies, whether it's go on the offensive, go on the defensive, and fine. But how you how you protect and defend? All right, that's not quite coming out the way I want. You, want what I'm trying to get at is the fact that Adama, you know, at some point the top level of command says we're going to protect the fleet as opposed to we're going to go on the offensive. Well, yeah. Um, right? And, that's one and of the he should that I, follow yeah. that. Yeah, and it's one of the things that I, that I uh, even noted that uh, with the circumstances being what they are, a really good military leader should be able to adapt to differing circumstances. I mean, the, the best military leaders can always uh, change their strategy depending on the circumstances at that time. We don't get any sense of that with this man. I mean, clearly this is now, as as Adama says, this is the ragtag fleet. They can only go as fast as their slowest ship. Mm-hmm. These are all survivors. Now you are in survival mode. And all of a sudden for Candy just come barreling in in his in his battle star and say, now we're gonna go on the offensive. And I keep thinking, how on earth are you gonna do that? Yeah, he doesn't really he doesn't really care. Yeah, yeah, it, it's it's completely wrong, and that's what I mean. He, uh, I, I'm willing to accept. Let's say Adama, let's say that Adama goes. All right, look, I think we ought to go in and attack the fuel depots with you know our missiles, and Kane says, okay. Same objective, I think we ought to send in paratroopers with bombs and then follow it up with a strife wing instead of using strike wing instead of using missiles, right? Now there I can ex- fully and freely accept that a military commander in the chain of command 
can have that discussion with his boss. Mm-hmm. Right? And say, let me put this to you. You know, we're trying to get the same objective. I think my this system will work better. And if it's a better plan, I also expect his commander up the line to say, okay, same objective, same risk, whatever, or acceptable risk, you go for it. But if the commander up the line says, no, you don't, then you don't. You don't. Or, or at least at that point, try to come up with a counterproposal that will fit within your commander's um, vision. But you do not argue a you don't argue huge it. level. You don't a huge level decision like no, we're going to protect the humans in the fleet. That that's you know that's 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 way up at policy level. Mm-hmm. That's much much higher than the military level. That's policy level. Exactly. And you don't argue that one. You just do that one. That's well, my job is to defend those people. Right. And and, and as awful as Kane's decision was. Uh, and as reckless as it was to blow up those oil tankers, it at least, at least after the fact, he concedes that it was a tactical error. Of course, I found it a little ridiculous for him to call it a tactical error or a tactical misjudgment. Uh, but at least he then has the decency to concede that yeah. fact. What then frosts me are his people. And now, so so now what we're seeing... You know, and this, of course, feeds the whole living legend ego that the man is dealing with. I mean, we're de- this is a whole cult of personality we've got going on here now with the man. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yes. And, and his crew could be extremely dangerous. Uh, yeah, I think. You know, I they've mean, essentially ceded. They've ceded what it is they're fighting for. Mm-hmm. They're not fighting for the colonies. They're fighting for Kane. Yeah. And... Yes. They've well, but completed... he hadn't. Go ahead. I was going to say he had not conceded that he'd made a tactical error at that point, though. Actually, he did. He conceded it once Baltar attacked, or or after Baltar attacked. No, 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 the... no. He does concede it earlier. Uh, he's in um, some sort of a saloon type bar thing after he's been relieved. Right after he got relieved, and Sheba and Boje come in there to talk to him and say, you know, hey, and that's another thing. Sheba, she was there. She knows that she Daddy knew. Dearest did something wrong, and yet she's going to be in there and try to pick up the pieces and make him feel all great and wonderful, and he's saying, no, what I did this morning was wrong. Okay, when, when I was referring to conceding it, I meant when he conceded it to Adama. Oh, that's different. That, yeah, that's, that's the whole, different. No, like, that, no, that's conceding the fact that, yes, it would have been a mistake if they had gone to Gomorrah. But blowing up the tankers, right. that's almost an admission. He almost admits that he made a mistake in doing that. Uh, he almost. He, 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 Without he, saying it, he never really comes out and says it, but boy, he implies it. Yeah, well, but he might also have been implying that getting caught was the tactical. Well, error. that too. <laughs> you know, it's like, yeah, it was a mistake. I should have done that a little more subtly, like not flying the strike myself. Yeah, but I kind of get the feeling that he does admit that it was it, it was a bad judgment call to blow that up because he then does talk about the importance of protecting the people. He does address that, and he also, when he gets a sense that. Both Sheba and Boje are going to, you know, we're talking mutiny. He gives mm-hmm. them a talking down, not that it does any good. Right. Right. And, and you know, that... 
again, you know, this is not, um, I, I, it's, it's kind of believable. Well, yeah, you get that kind of cult of personality thing going on. It is. Yeah. I could see that happening. Um, but there was something about this that seriously bothered me. I think the, my biggest, well, I, you know, I, I, um, when we've had discuss, well, when we, when they, when, when Adama and others have had discussions about what they ought to be doing, um, you know, generally speaking, Adama is always, Adama is almost always 100% right. Mm-hmm. And everyone who has a different opinion from Adama is wrong. Pretty much. Superciliously wrong. Yeah. Really, really awfully, awfully wrong. Yeah. And in this case, I feel Kane has some credibility here. Uh, Yes, he's gone too far. But he's got a point to some degree about handling the Cylons. For example, when he goes after the base stars... Now, I don't know that he's had the time to digest the information, and I don't know that we've actually been able to digest the information. But up till now, Baltar has stayed out of the way, Mm -hmm. following the Galactica, because he doesn't have enough reinforcements. Right. And he has been asking and waiting for reinforcements to arrive for a long time. He's mentioned them more than once. Mm Mm-hmm in the past that they're waiting for these reinforcements. And when he finally gets the reinforcements, if the Pegasus had not been there, you know, even if the Galactica had had fuel, Oh, they, they wouldn't have stood a chance. Him. They didn't stand a chance. No. And, and so we could, we could argue that from now on again, had, even if the Galactic had still had fuel and continued on its way, with Baltar behind him with three base stars, as soon as they get an opportunity to strike, they've got him. That they were done for. The oh, I agree. I'm, I, and I'm not, I'm not arguing that point at all. I could actually justify in this case why Baltar, I mean, not Baltar, but why Kane did what he did. Yes, there We've is. We've got to get rid of those base stars. Right. There is the argument. That could be said about keeping the Battlestar Pegasus there, but now you've got detente all the time, and you're still risking, you know, little hits here and mm-hmm. there. Kane has the idea that if I do this, the fleet is safe. I could end this threat, and the fleet is then safe. I may be gone. But the fleet is now safe because I have eliminated, not just put a temporary stop, but eliminated that threat. Right. I get that. Yeah, so that's my, that's my that, point. That, that yeah, he's I got, totally get that. He's and he's compl- and I would say he's right. In unlike that all the judgment. others, all the, unlike all the others, like you know what we should do? We should uh, beat all our ships into plowshares and just settle on the planet, and the Cylons are going to leave us alone. Right? Well, Everyone else has been stupid that's been right, arguing with a right. drama. You know, and Here's th- somebody who's arguing, and, and admittedly, it's the opposite direction. I want right. to be a hawk instead of a dove. But at least it's a, it's a fair assessment. It is. It is. And this is a writing gimmick. 
which mm-hmm. I thought was a little unusual. I mean, to give us all, you know, almost all of part one and portray Cain as being this arrogant uh, commander who, as I said earlier, truly believes his own press to the point where it is now affecting his judgment negatively because now all his decisions are being made with more than just um, a, a small dose of hubris. I mean, he, it's, he's completely, I would almost say, unhinged until he gets knocked down. It is Adama who puts him into check by relieving him of command, forces Cain to take a step back and say, oh, man, I, I made a mistake here. I mean, maybe he came off as a little bit flippant in the way he described the destruction of the oil tankers. But I think with Adama knocking him down like that uh, puts Kane in a position where, okay, and even, even Adama says, I need your military genius mm-hmm. at this point. When all of a sudden the truth comes out and, and Kane says, oh, yeah, you're right, Adama. <laughs> Going to Gamora, mm, bad idea. I was wrong. And even Adama says, you know, fine, we'll talk about it later. Right now, I need your brilliance. And I think that maybe kind of helps put Kane's head back on straight to the point where, yeah, he's willing to take the kind of appropriate suicide mission that will guarantee a better safety for the fleet. It's just that there's we're getting but, two facets. We're getting but as two Adama sides said him. to him, you know, before he let him do this mission, he goes, no more surprises. Nope. Which he's just an outright law, lie. Yeah. Oh, he gave him a surprise, all right. Hey, he gave him a surprise. No, I'm not going to lead him off. I'm just going to go blast the hell out of him. And, yeah, it, it it's it's hard to tell whether Kane learns anything at all. You know, it, th- there's the possibility that his, that his suicidal act at the end is penance. Um... You know, it's like Maybe. I'm gonna, I, I'm I'm going to save the fleet. I endangered the fleet. I'm not going to be able to function in this environment, and I think he may recognize that that he's not going to be able to function under Adama's command. Um, Maybe, and that it's like all those things factored together, and it's like if I get them off his back, and again. Whether he would know this or not, it took so long for the Cylon reinforcements to catch up that if he actually destroyed all three of those base stars, the Galactica might get free. Truly hmm. free. They, they might actually finally escape if they didn't have pursuing, you know, Baltar always back there just off the edge of their, of their long range scanners. And so, I mean, it could be a decisive victory for the for the fleet if he could do it. But, you know, he did still kill everyone on board his ship, even if it was a skeleton crew, to mm, do it. Yeah, yeah. Did he die? Did the Pegasus get destroyed? I got to tell you, that's the lamest bit of this ending to me, is the whole... I don't know. I got spots in my eyes. It's like, look at your scanner. <laughs> is there is there is there a big ship on the scanner? Yeah, where could have it gone? 
Yeah, how far, you know, so oh, he, can well, see all this, he can see all the Cylons coming back on the scanner, so uh, we better get out of here real fast. It's like you couldn't see whether there was a base star or a battle star left in space. Yeah, but they kind of hinted that this was a gimmick or a trick that Kane has when it came to the Battle of the Fifth Fleet, how yeah. he was able to get away from that. Everybody thought that all the ships were destroyed and all they alluded to is yes there was some strategic bit of brilliance that allowed Kane to get the Pegasus out of there but we I don't know what it is all of that all of those statements despite protestations uh, were all made in Sheba's presence it's possible and of course with the case of all all living legends I mean we we know that the stories get horribly inflated by the people, by the survivors, uh, especially by those people who hear it third hand. Mm-hmm. They weren't there. They're only catching, you know, stories as it's being passed on. So, of course, it gets inflated bigger and bigger and bigger. But I think that's what they were trying to do. I kind of wonder, had this series been allowed to go on? Had there been another year, was there or were there any plans to actually bring Kane back? I I think there were. I mean, I have no evidence of it, but I just have a feeling that based on the way that they handled it, I mean, there was nothing decisive. I think that they, they certainly left it open. I mean, it, like I said, it was the the ending there is lame. Like, oh, I just can't see get spots. It, that that is so bad of yeah, an excuse for not lame. knowing. Yeah, it's that lame. that you are you're really just leaving that up to. If we can come up with a way to bring Kane back, we might bring Kane back. And if not, well, we leave Kane. You know, we leave it a little bit more of an open ended mystery. Um, just for for giggles. I I I I agree that they left it open enough that they could bring him back. Whether they had a definitive plan to bring him back, and I, and I'll say this: it's very problematic if they do. Bringing in the second battle star was problematic enough that they had to go to great lengths to make sure they got rid of it again. At the end of the story. Well, yeah, because then you you can't have, uh, although they did it in the reboot, for a time they actually had two battle stars for several to- for for several episodes in the reboot. Uh, but yeah, it kind of defeats the whole purpose of this uh, mission, the, the this run for survival that the Galactica and the Earth survivors are on. So yeah, of course you have to have that. So, I mean, if they brought Kane back again, it they'd would, have to do the same thing again. They would have to do the same thing again or, or do something that is final. Don't just keep, well, we, he may have been destroyed, but we're not sure. I mean, you can't, you can't go to that well too many times. Although, this was late 70s television, so God only knows what they were thinking. You can go to a well pretty, pretty often in the yeah, late 70s. exactly. And that might have been what they were doing here. Um, I I. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know. Um, I think 
I, like I said, I think it would be problematic if they did. I'm not opposed to it. I, I'm not even opposed to them having two battle stars. I, 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 I'm really not. You know, I think it could change the character of the show quite a bit. Well, it, yeah, it, it could it, have. Um, I don't know if that's what the showrunners had in mind, though. No, I don't think it was. Not on yeah. a permanent level, at least. Right. With only one battle star, we are forced into, I can't go do anything. I've got to babysit these civilians. And if I leave them, they're easy pickings. So, you know, in the in the cases of when they needed a new energizer or where they needed new seed or when they had to go something, you know, if they'd had another warship that they could have sent, this story would be so different. Mm-hmm. But would it be better? The question is what makes it better. And I think better stories would have made it better more so than... Oh, okay. Yeah. Let me rephrase sticking that. To the sticking to the premise that they have to be. Um, okay, so okay, well, I guess that that's my that's sort of where I'm kind of going with this. They've come up with this premise. They have not exactly up to this episode executed it very well, and right. part of that I think stems from something that we discussed previously, and that is how. This was, I think, originally designed to be some sort of more like a mini series. And then ABC said, oh, no, let's give it a full series run. Now you got to write these crap episodes to act as filler, which just really took the steam out of it. Um, that notwithstanding, could this the, the presence of another peg, uh, another battle star, could that have actually uh, altered the tone of the show I, I, I don't know. I mean, it, yeah, it definitely would have altered the tone. There's no doubt about that. But is that something that they wanted to do? I mean, I'm sure they could have kept the tone being what it is and have told good stories as a result of it. But then, then again, we got Glenn Larson, you know, and, and people are going to hate me for saying this, but he's Space Mormon. Yeah. So, of yeah. course, he had a vision that he was going with, which we have not gotten to yet, thank heaven. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I, I don't know. I, I mean, I can see more possibility. I, I, what I'm getting is that a lot of times that the stories they are telling are stupid because partially of the way they have to do things or the way what we're giving. So, so, okay, let's talk about the fifth fleet for a second. Oh, thank you very much. Okay, the fifth fleet. What's that? Sort of implies that there's four other fleets, although I'm not entirely sure that we have um, uh, that many fleets. Um, but are they all battle stars? That's is a great like question. Is it like what we saw? Because I, I, I don't kind know. of, I kind of think that the military strategy of we have aircraft carriers and we have fighters. We have destroyers. Is stupid yeah. if that's all they've got. Yeah. So have they got? Have they got destroyers? Have they got battleships? Have they got um, corsairs? Have they got? You know what? What? What levels of ships was in the fifth fleet? I could absolutely see a lot of the problems with Battlestar Galactica being solved by having a smaller military vessel, mm-hmm. a second armed vessel 
that they could use to, all right, uh, head out to, head out to that planetary system and run a, run a thing, or you stay here and keep an eye on the ships while we go do something, or, you know, without it having to be two equals knocking heads or something, or, or even, because they're still stuck. I, you know, it's only Kane that, it's only Kane that was trying to stop us from continuing their quest for Earth, right? It's his right. desire to stand and go back, right, and punch back. If it had been any other Battlestar commander, they may have just said, "You know something? Now we got two ships to to fight the fleet." They're still grossly outnumbered by the Cylons. Yes, they are. So it's not like, well, now we're just overwhelmingly safe. It just gives them a little more chance to to, to not have to just, oh, I think we're just going to send a couple fighters off to that planet. It's like, oh, stop with that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's like he's going to get shot down, then he's going to land, and then we're going to, you know. Eh. So I think that that's, uh, I, I don't, I would have, yeah, I, 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 I I would have liked to have seen a second military vessel. A second, or, well, yeah, well. Of some kind. Of some kind, not necessarily another battle star, but you're right. Uh, if there's going to be any kind of parallels to uh, the, like, you know, the Earth Navy, it would be nice to see other types of vessels. And yet when they destroy the colonies, I saw no evidence that there no, was it anything was but the battle stars. all battle stars. Either that or the rest, of the, the rest of the fleet somewhere didn't do anything about the Cylon. Uh, you know, so, I mean, it, it's a, it's a bad, it's a bad fleet design or it appears to be a bad fleet design. Speaking of fleets, they've got tankers. Cylons do. No, the fleet does. The fleet. Remember they had to send tankers down to the planet to pick up the fuel. Oh, that's right. They did. Yeah. I'm like, wait, you've got tankers. (laughs) Mm. I mean, how many people have they got on those tankers? You know, I mean, they were trying to fill every ship they could with people to get off the planet and fly off the tankers. Were they filled with fuel or were they filled with people? <laughs> so, uh, put the people in the rising star. We're going to uh, we're going to fill it up with gas for I, I was a little I thought that was a little basically thoughtless. They didn't really think about it. it was like, oh, let's send the tankers. It's like, wait, you got a limited number of ships. You got 220 ships. Plus the shuttles and the fighters. And and that seems like anyway. Um let's talk a little bit about the love story. Ugh. <laughs> that that creeped me out. Um it was kinda ew. He, he is kinda old. Yeah, um, I I I'm not watching I kind I was kinda going ew on some of that. Especially when she, she uh, Cassiopeia is t- telling him, you know, uh, telling him about Sheba, how Sheba wants to fulfill this role, you know, after Cain's wife died. And, he's, you know, Sheba's my daughter. And she says, I could be your daughter. And he says, but you're not. And I thought, you dirty old man. Yeah, that 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 touches on all sorts of um, uh, all sorts of issues. First off. Uh, you know, his his wife is killed. Okay. Um, that's that's unfortunate. 
he takes solace in the arms of a prostitute. Yeah, because a socialator. that's what she was. She's a socialator. Do the math. And okay, do you do you fall in love with the? I mean, that's a cliche. <laughs> that's definitely a cliche story. Um, I'm 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 having trouble believing that part of it. The age thing. You know, there's there's people with huge age gap differences between uh, couples. Um, it is often older men and younger women. It has um, happened. It's been it's typically portrayed as gold digger and sugar daddy mm-hmm. a lot of the time. I didn't get that feel out of this. Um, I got the feeling that they were trying to tell us this was a genuine, a genuine emotional bond between the two of them. Yeah, I, I get that. I, I'm, yeah, as, as, as someone who's 50 plus, um, I definitely do kind of get a, uh, I, I get a, a, vibe off how do i put this i you know your mind never stops the the things that minds do about biology and stuff Uh, but there's a point where you know as i've gotten older suddenly you know some of the girls you look at that i look at you're like yeah no no that's that's creepy (laughs) that's that's you know way too young and, you know, at, at one point it was teenagers, and then it's 20-year-olds, then it's 30-year-olds, and you just mm. keep getting older, and you look at it and you go, yeah, no, that's, you know, no, 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 I'm not, no. You, imagination, don't go there. Stop that. It, it's wrong, you know. This one's just on the border there, because I don't know how old Kane is supposed to be, and I don't know how old Cassiopeia is supposed to be. Apparently, I mean, uh, an okay enough age so that Starbuck doesn't have a problem with it. Well, he did. But she, but... Well, Starbuck had a problem with it. It was Apollo that said, remember the book of the word. Some of the elders had some pretty young wives. wives. Yeah. So that's No, no, what I mean is... A... No, okay, what I was saying is that Starbuck doesn't have a problem with how, um, you know, with Cassiopeia's age in relation to himself. Oh, right. Right. Well, I assume that there. But yes, the he clearly yeah. had a problem with the age difference between Cain and Cassiopeia. Yeah, he didn't dig that at all. And you're right. And Apollo's little side there, his little comment there, it gives that hint that Cain is significantly older. Well, he's definitely got. Well, he's got to be. I mean, look at least he's got an adult daughter. Yeah, yeah. He, he's yeah. He's got to be at least. 20, 25 years older than her. At least. I mean, we, could, we could look up the actor's ages, but, uh, you know, I, I would put Cassiopeia in her late 20s and Kane in his early 60s. That's a fair assessment. Uh, that would be my guess on that. But then, you know, in our terms, but then, you know, there's 
men live a hundred yarns, does that just mean that a yarn shorter than a year or that I they don't live know. We're back to that whole we, yeah. you know, measurement of time yeah. thing that we we can thing. only make approximations on. I, I do just want to say that, that that line about some of the elders having some mighty young wives did did kind of ring Mormon. Yeah. It 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 it, it definitely it, well, it, it rings of, it, well not know, just those... rings Mormon, but it also rings very old testament. Yeah. Yeah. Well, the book of the word. Um, I think of those enclaves living up, you know, <laughs> in Arizona City and stuff that, that definitely very sort of men dominant over lots of young wives kind of thing. Yeah, it was, that was the first when he said that. Anyway, so then the Cassiopeia is saying, well, you know, I need or Cain says, I needed you there when my wife died. Did, and her response, did it ever occur to you that Sheba wanted to fill that role? No. That, I mean, that, that, that was another know. one. That, that I, one was like, oh, no, that's, no, no. Yeah, that was understand? a major no. She, no, no. She, she does not want to all of a sudden become, you know, surrogate wife. Yeah, I mean, that's no. just wrong. You know, to be there to support him, absolutely. To help him through, absolutely. But to fill that role the way she said it was just the way like, she said this bad you writing. got that yeah you got the exact same thought that i had i mean if she was trying to say to be the kind of emotional support that Cain needed as opposed to maybe turning to cassiopeia instead okay i can get that but i, I don't know but I, that's being... not but but that's not that isn't what i was getting uh, out of the way she said that she made it sound like that sheba was was trying to fulfill a slightly different role and and I was really disturbed by I'm that. Sh- I'm sure she didn't mean that, and I'm sure the writer didn't mean that. But did you get that but feeling? But it didn't come off. Yes, I absolutely did. That, that's exactly what I thought when he said that. When she said that, I'm like, well, that's just the wrong thing to say. Yeah. And but and and okay. And here's why I think that is. Right. Kane. They may be talking emotional. Let, let let's let's pretend they're talking emotional. Cain needed emotional support. Cassiopeia was there for the emotional support. She filled that role. And in that respect, maybe Sheba wanted to be the one there for your emotional support. Okay? That's fine. Mm-hmm. But I don't believe Cassiopeia as a socialator and as the character we've seen is really deep emotional support for somebody. She's a push cushion she is that's her job that's her job that's the kind of support i feel like she was giving him i don't believe that she was capable of being the emotional support anchor that he needed and therefore when she says that's what sheba wanted to do you're immediately thinking and i'm immediately thinking she's talking about sex and that's wrong Mm -hmm. because that's what i see her as she's his sex object yeah. Not his emotional object. And and that's why it comes off wrong. And I'm not, I don't think that's. I don't think that's what they meant. 30 years. No, I think they were in the, they think they were talking the emotional. Yeah, but it didn't come off that way. But is that because we've lost 20, 30 years or whatever it is? And, and, and the way you hear things and, and the clues that somebody says are different now because of the way we culture has has shaken out i don't know Hmm. i I don't know how i would have taken that 
1977 or whatever it was. 78, 77. I, yeah. and, and the thing is, I saw this when it aired initially. And I might have seen it again since that time prior to this viewing. I'm not positive if I have or, or if I haven't. Uh, but I do know that when I watched it then, it just went right over my head. I, yeah, I, I don't know. I, I cannot remember. I cannot remember how that, how that would have gone at that age. Yep. Um, and I do just want to put in here a couple of things about Starbuck in this situation. I, I think when Apollo says, oh, well, you know, once they've experienced the aura of Starbuck, um, I, I, I think that the dialogue between Starbuck and Apollo in this episode was better than in other episodes. I got the impression there that this is, these are two friends who can give and take a little bit of jibing back and forth as well, because it was obviously a sarcastic comment. And um, another thing that I liked about this episode is that they got to work together. Mm-hmm. Right? They didn't get split up like they usually do. In, in a lot of these stories. Yeah. You know, yeah. Up, so we get to see a little bit. And so, you know, it's like, it's like we've mentioned it. How come Starbuck is with Boomer? True. Right. Not with Apollo. Why, why is that not, you know, more often in the show? And I think it's may have to do with them trying to break up the lead status a little bit. But anyway, or you know, um, I don't know see. about that. I mean, and the thing is, I always kind of felt that there was a really good com- camaraderie. Be- well, Starbuck's a bit of a wild card in that he really plays off well with Boomer, but he plays off well against Apollo as well. Uh, and and in, in my mind, I always felt that the, the combination of Apollo and Starbuck as pilots was a very strong one because I was always under the belief that you're, you've got two of the best pilots— of, you know, out there, but for two entirely different reasons. Uh, Starbuck is the fly-by-your-seats, reckless, maverick kind of pilot who is he's just so bold and daring and wild that he'll do any kind of any kind of you know crazy thing that will achieve a victory. While Apollo would be the more methodical one, of course, not that we got any of this in the entire show, but this is always where I was. I kept coming from. I kept thinking this is what they need to be, and that's why. And I don't know. That's why I kept kind of wanting to see. The, well, anyway, I'm just rambling at this point. <laughs> and I will. It's say just Boomer, a frustration on my part because I kept thinking this is what it needs to be. Boomer once again is the warrior of the group that I like. <laughs> Once again, I mean, even right down to the last scene, right, or the the last battle where Apollo decides, and I'm sorry, Starbuck decides that he wants to go back and help Kane, right? Yeah, and he convinces Apollo we should go back, and then Apollo's like, "You're, you know, you're following, you're disobeying a direct order," and this is Starbuck's like, "How can I be disobeying the direct order of a man who's disobeying direct orders?" Oh, fair enough. Let's go. Ooh, that sounds logical. That sounds logical. And then as they fly off, but as they fly off, Apollo says to Boomer, he says, hey, Boomer, you're in command. We're just going to go check out the flank. And and he's like, how far back? 
Don't ask. It's like, that's, that's what, what I, I thought. thought. And it's very clear. Boomer had it too. Yeah. Boomer had the exact same thought, except guess what? You're not Boomer going. does his job. <laughs> yeah, Boomer is really, he's, he's sort of, kind of, yeah. He, he, uh, he's solid. Yeah, he's very solid, but he's he's so solid that I don't see him elevating. Well, there's not much room for advancement until um, Apollo dies, gets killed. <laughs> you know, so we, <laughs> you know, now there. But anyway, I just, I, you know, it's like again, he's not stupid. He's always competent. He does his job. Oh, he's very reliable. Uh, I'm sure his record is absolutely impeccable. He's not a risk taker unless he's following on alongside Starbuck. But he's willing to do that when the circumstances, right? You know, yeah, it's it is. There's a loyalty there between them, uh, between the three of them. And uh, yeah, anyway. Anyway, I just wanted to point that out when we were talking about Apollo and Starbuck, who didn't exactly have a lot to do in this episode. No, they didn't, except made to look stupid. Well, not stupid, but somewhat incompetent as flyers. <laughs> well, yeah, there was that that scene, and that was intentional. I mean, not intentional that they look stupid, but I mean... They had to be outflown. Kane, Kane, yeah. Okay, I know, I know. Now, yeah, all right. I, I thought you were talking about the earlier scene where Blue Squadron was sent in and Kane's Spar, Silver Spar Squadron uh, used them basically as bait. Yeah. They they gave them marching instructions that caused them to be in the bad spot so they couldn't do as well. Silver Spar positioned themselves to be the Lone Ranger mm. flying in and saving the day. Um, and that you know, doesn't make Blue Squadron look good. But yes, at the beginning, everyone was stupid. Mm, yeah. Right? You've got you've got Apollo and Starbuck. They can't see the ships attacking them from behind. <sighs> oh, that scene just bugged the spot out of me. And oh, and Athena, well, okay, Athena and Boje. Sheba. Okay. Sheba. Yeah, Sheba and Boje. They can see they're shooting at Vipers. Well, they can clearly well, see they're shooting at Vipers. You would have thought. But it's not until she brings it up on the scanner. Oh, those are your humans on there. That's a viper. So here's my question. I mean, they don't say it in dialogue. It comes up with a picture of a viper, and she doesn't immediately tell Bojay to stop shooting. She waits for the whole tactical display to go. Yeah, that's for the audience benefit. Until it until it gets to the point where at the bottom it says occupant human 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 then she says stop yeah well that's so, again i think that's purely for the audience benefit which is bad storytelling but whatever well it could mean that she thinks cylons are stealing vipers and flying them as deco or as you know trojan horses or whatever you want to call it mm. i don't know i would have liked a line of dialogue saying that it would have been you know, nice. Like, it would have better. It, it then where would did have the Cylons given, get these two Vipers? Right. It would have given justification for them to continue firing on two Vipers, which they could clearly see. <laughs> you know, I mean, I would have thought that, so. Yeah, that's the way the special effects are laid out. Is those ships always have to be pretty darn close, basically in line of sight to see each other. So, uh, yeah, it's the opening did bother me. Uh, I would have, you know, anything. Put them in mists. Put them in 
something. <laughs> yeah, and there was something else that they did here, which I dislike, and that is in order to make these new characters come off looking superior, for the sake of the story, we have to make uh, these established characters look awful. Yeah. I don't like that. I've never liked that. Yeah, I don't I don't disagree. I don't disagree. It would have been nicer if we could have put them as being equal, but but it's it's really not possible. Another thing that bugged me about that scene is that uh you know, Apollo identifies himself. I think Apollo identifies himself. Uh yes, he does. And and Sheba says something, and then BoJ says something, and then Starbuck goes, BoJ? BoJ? Yeah. Is that you, BoJ? BoJ goes, whoa, Starbuck, is that you? Okay, that's fine. Okay, we were fine up to that point, and if they had stopped at that point, I'd have been great. Except when then Apollo or Starbuck says, come on, Apollo, you remember BoJ? He used to be in our squadron before he shipped out to the Pegasus. And then you're like, why doesn't Apollo know that? And why didn't BoJ recognize Captain Apollo? Mm. Yeah. <laughs> if all three of those guys were in the same Nam squadron and Apollo is the squadron commander, <laughs> it just, it was just, uh, couldn't it have been, you know, Starbuck was like, I was stationed with BoJ five yarns ago on the, you know, on Ice Planet Thule or <clears throat> whatever it, it was. I but, know. But again, yeah. this it's just another instance of writing that was not very well thought out. And, and unfortunately, television shows at this time, there was lots of that. Lots of uh, TV shows where the writer really didn't give a lot of thought and development to a particular thread or an idea. Uh, it, and again, I think this was just a reflection of the era. They just, they didn't uh, have the foresight or were not willing to give its uh, audience enough credit that they would be, uh, they would subject these shows to critical analysis. <laughs> well, they'll never see them on rerun. Well, they might see them in the yeah. United States. They would, yeah. Of course they would, over and over again. But. <clears throat> Um, let's uh, turn our attention here briefly to Mr. Baltar. I think we clearly get in this episode, it's personal. It's Adama he wants. Yeah. he's He's been after Adama since um, the Lost, Lost Planet, Planet of the Gods. Gods. Yeah. Well, you know, we had that whole thing where he's wandering around, whacking the bad leg and limping around and stuff. And, and I, I asked at the time, is that his Ahab... I think it is. Wooden leg at reminder. This yeah, I believe it is at this point. Um, that seems to be gone now. Yeah. But, you know, he it's just the way he phrases it. It's like, yeah, he wants, it's, it's a Dama he wants to humiliate and destroy more than anything else now. Prior to that, I think we had our questions in Lost Planet of the Gods. Is he really still playing the Cylon side or was he trying to negotiate himself into a better position with the humans? Uh, I, I don't know, but now I think we've firmly solidified. It's nothing but revenge. He wants, he wants Adama dead. Hmm. He also obviously wants to take over 
the outer capital and take over the Cylon Empire, which I think is very bold of him to say in front of Lucifer. <laughs> um, which, once again, along with a bunch of other things in this episode, tells me that these things are far more human than even Kane's description of them. I forgot what he said. There's something they're only... They're only programmed to respond along the lines like that. Clearly, that's not true. If if they were if they were programmed along those lines, as soon as Baltar expressed the intent to take over, all the Cylons around him would kill him or turn him in. But clearly, they're jockeying around. It's like, well, you know, it could be number two. And in the so I, I, yeah, yeah, it's, and of course, then we have the imperious leader is on Gamora to talk about Cylon culture. Hmm. Yeah. The center of Cylon culture. And the, the, once again, we get another, uh-uh, when the, the fuel dumps blow up. Yeah. Well, there's a lot of that. I mean, there's a lot of very unusual little turns of phrases that come from various Cylons that pomp and circumstance. Yeah. Oh, hail announcing the imperious leader, you know, <laughs> do, do you really need to walk into a room, a crowded room full of people who are sitting around having cocktail? Well, they're not having cocktails, but they're behaving like they're at a cocktail party. Yeah. Clustering off in little groups, having little conversations, uh, you know, saying this, that, and the other. It, it's, there's civilian Cylons. They mention that. It's civilian, it is civilian. Cylon yeah. traffic. Yeah. What is what is that? What are civilian Cylons? Yeah, I don't get that. <clears throat> I mean, uh, so obviously we're talking about uh, Cylon culture that has not even been remotely tapped into yet. Do they have Cylon artists? Ah. Uh, which makes them, again, and this goes back to conversations that we've had with past episodes, this makes the Cylons more human than, than they're willing to admit. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> Which, yeah. again, then begs the question, if there is this kind of commonality, why can't we have a dialogue? Why can't we have a dialogue with some of them? If if we have Lucifer, who is apparently, along with his ship, willing to go along with Baltar, and we'll talk about that, with Baltar's ambitions of taking over the outer capital and then taking over the empire, we know, Bal we know Lucifer has some kind of ambitions to be imperious leader. Uh, mm. We know he's envious. Um, you know, if if that's the case then why aren't there factions of Cylons who might think, you know, we could do better yeah. with the humans against the imperious leader and, and his uh, and his cronies? Which is something that, you know, and again, I, and you and I have had this conversation off the air numerous times, you know, comparing the original series to the reboot, and uh, we're both in agreement that if, if we have to pick one, we pick the original uh, any day of the week. But I will give credit where credit is due. At least in the reboot, they did pose that idea. I, I, you know, I, it wouldn't surprise me if the people who did the reboot 
had exactly the same kinds of thoughts and conversations. These are, these are not, I mean, I'm not pretending that we are in particularly perceptive, bright, um, and, and insightful that on these issues. On oh, Battle why not? Oh, you know, why we not? Could be. It's, it's an episode about hubris. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> so, so we could do that, but you know, we're the I, living I, podcast I, legend. Absolutely. Absolutely believe that other people, other science fiction fans could sit down and watch Battlestar Galactica and have many of the same questions. And if you were going to re, uh, imagine it, if I were going to reimagine it, I would absolutely, you know, I would do some of the things that they did do in the reboot. Mm -hmm. There are some things I would not do in the reboot, and I would not have human-shaped Cylons. That makes it a different story. It it did. It made it, it, a, completely, it a completely and I, different yeah, story. And I didn't care for that part. But I liked the idea, at least. I mean, okay, so the representation of the human Cylons I didn't care for, but the idea that there were different classes of Cylons, at least, that might have a different point of view. Uh, especially the way they were being, uh, if, if you're going to have different classes of silence in this particular fashion, then they must operate differently than the military. Mm -hmm. Otherwise, if they're all operating off some sort of a central computer net, then why have differing classes in the first place? I can see why you'd have different designs. Different, different designs functions. for different functions, but different classes, like a cultural class, you know, like yeah. a, a civilian class. Yeah. I don't believe that. You know, what are they doing? Do they operate little shops? I love a little shop, you know. A little Do Cylon they... shop. That's so cute. A secondhand Cylon shop. Yeah. You know, what, what are these civilians doing on these planets? What, what do Cylons do in their spare time? <laughs> you know, well, I, 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 I don't know. And I will say also with regards to um, the faction idea, did you catch the line where Baltar says, put the other two base stars in front? And Lucifer's, I'm not sure the other, other base stars, stars commanders, commanders would like that. that. Yeah, yeah, I did. Like, that would imply that they might not follow that order. Uh-huh. You know, or that they might, that there's a chance that they wouldn't unthinkingly follow it. Well, if they... How about that? Yeah, well, he, the key word is, I don't think they would appreciate it or like it. In any mm -hmm. case, that is emotion. Mm-hmm. We also saw a completely new Cylon type in this episode. We saw, yeah, on the planet we did. We saw ones that had, and I didn't get a very good look at them at any point, but we saw it's the ones to that see had them. what looked like Dr. Theopolis faces. Yeah, I saw those. Which obviously is a very cheap costume. You just put a robe over somebody and then stick them, uh, stick, <laughs> stick a clock face or something mm -hmm. in there. But uh, again, so we have a third, we have a third kind. And IL series robots were shooting weapons at one point. When, when Apollo or when Starbuck and Boomer were taking on the command center, I was kind of paying attention to that because of thinking back to the whole civilian thing. It's like maybe the military, maybe the, the Centurions are the only ones that shoot weapons, but it wasn't true because they definitely had one of the IL series firing a hand blaster mm -hmm. and getting shot and, and fall over. So it wasn't like a specialization. Obviously, he wasn't very good at it because he got shot, but, yeah. you know. Um, let's see what else. Uh, obviously, uh, we, we've 
we've talked about this uh, episode after episode um, in the past, sir, if I may. Sir, if I may. I really think you should look at the other (laughs) battle star. star. That's impossible. That line. It is a battle star. It is a battle star. (laughs) That is funny. It is. I, I don't think it's meant to be. Well, well, let me take that back. Maybe it was meant to be, but should it be? Yeah, was it, was it meant to be funny from the Cylon's point of view? It's like, uh, it's it's the Cylon equivalent of a dad joke. <laughs> I'm hungry. Hello, hungry. Hello, I'm hungry. How Cylon. are you? Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, I, I'm not sure. But, you know, it's the sir, if I may. Yeah. You know? You know, and the weird thing is, when I saw this the first time, I was in high school when I saw this episode the very first time, that line just screamed at me. Mm-hmm. I mean, even then, I stopped and went, I stopped what I was doing. Just, Did he just say what I think he just said? I like, genuinely wow. think it's the best line in the entire series. It is the best line in the entire series. It absolutely is the best line in the entire series. I really think you should look at the other Battlestar. I, oh, you really think? That's amazing. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, let's see. What else have we got? Um, well, okay. Even just the fact that the Imperious leader travels out to Go- to Gamore to uh, wave his little hand and say hello to the peons. Mm-hmm. It's like, what possible value could that have in, in a computer machine-based society? It doesn't. It doesn't. It serves no purpose which he's shoring up his leadership yeah which again tells us that we have more in common with the cylons than the series was originally trying to propose or maybe the series was trying to propose it and the humans are just too stupid to notice it well or too prejudiced well in that case then i hope the cylons win although i can't stand baltar he's such a dork he's definitely uh he's definitely a bit of a problem well, he, he almost comes off as the counterpart to Kane. And at one point I kept thinking, you know, I would really love to see these two chew the scenery together, but could the series handle it? <laughs> Let's see. Oh, 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 Imperious Leader. I, I don't know if we mentioned it in the first. I, <clears throat> If we didn't, I'm grossly remiss. I'm grossly, grossly remiss to fail to mention this and in the opening titles, Patrick McNee. Oh, yeah. As the voice, the of, voice the of the Imperious, Imperious leader. leader, John Steed himself. Mm-hmm. Um, his his line in this one, what, what pray tell was, was that? that? <laughs> pray tell? Yeah, so much for a machine. I mean, that's, yeah. wow. Again, the programming of the machine, if that isn't, I mean, the, the Imperious Leader is a machine. It's just the most advanced model of Cylon and yet if it's programmed with those kinds of responses then there is more human-like thinking going on in its programming therefore again we come back to there's room for dialogue there's room for dialogue there's room for something yeah instead of just shooting each other up yeah um yeah so you know again even though Adama is always presented or has prior to this always been presented as he's right. Everyone else is stupid. He's not right. There should be room mm-hmm. for dialogue here with the Cylons. Um, 
I want to point out one thing. Galactica has occasionally been uh, lambasted for some of its use of stock footage. Most recently, I think, um, um, uh, 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 Gun on Ice Planet Zero. Mm-hmm. Oh, oh I know where you're going with this. Terrible stock footage. You, you, you do, right? I it's believe the, I do. I think it's the Saturn V stage separation footage which was they're using uh, which for work do you know where i first saw it silent mm. running silent running yeah boy i don't remember that i do running, but it i do very, it's very it happens right when um uh the the biosphere or the spheres have to be jettisoned yeah, but I am I am certain that that is NASA footage of say probably a Saturn V it could stage be. separation. It probably is, and I'm and I would say that Douglas Trumbull probably you know borrowed it for Silent Running just, when just he did pulled that. It out of the stock just pulled footage. it out, and, and but now yeah, this this is the first time. I, although I don't remember being used in this episode when I first watched it, I remember being used in a uh, in like the last episode of the series. So this was a bit of a surprise uh, reuse, for me. Well, firing missiles in the last episode too, so they just reused the firing missiles footage that they decided to get. But right. yeah, it's those are not missiles. I'm I'm pretty darn sure that that well because then yeah you see one of the then you see a, well yeah well they then, then there's the whole thing. Well, we they're firing their missiles and yet you know that didn't look like a missile. It really looked like a laser blast. Oh, and yeah, and that in the the front, yeah, that did that did look like. A, sort of laser something or other. I couldn't tell if that was supposed to be uh, Kane's ships firing or whether that was the Cylons firing back. I uh, couldn't Kane's. tell what those yellow streaks were. I would say it's Kane's. Only because of the color. It was a different color. It was a different color. Alright. Um, did you notice at the end? I didn't notice at the end. My wife noticed at the end. She pointed it out. And and then when she pointed it out, I'm like, oh yeah, look at that. Sheba's got some serious nails. Nails! <laughs> nails! Wow, look at those Lee Pressons. <laughs> they were ginormous. <laughs> like I bet that's really good for flying a fighter pilot. Well, yeah. Now it got, and, I, and it made me think. Oh man, I think I need to go back and watch the the beginning of the episode, the part one, because I need oh, to when see she's shooting? when she's I shooting at the hands are on the joystick. I don't remember. So, yeah, she must have put those Lee press-ons right after she just got blasted out of the sky. Uh, Cassiopeia did it for her. So oh, was like, that it? This ha- therapy. Here, this will make you feel better. I'll do your hair and put on some nails and uh, look nice for when the troops come back. I, I, I yeah. <laughs> yeah, because we need to make you hot for Apollo. Because he's, he's still grieving. Not much. Not much, no. <laughs> although much. although I mean, I, I'm going to jump the timeline a little bit and hint that uh, he's grieving a little bit more than they're willing to let on. Sheba does yeah. address it later. Yeah, I, I suppose. Um, I don't know if it's soon enough to talk about Sheba as a character. Um, why is she only a lieutenant? Yeah, if she's such a hotshot pilot... Well, who's uh, who's the captain on their flight squadrons? I don't know. It's not Boje. Nope. He answers to her. Yep. Yep. She seems to be the squadron commander. But she's only and, a lieutenant. 
but she's only a lieutenant. I'm not saying that she couldn't be an only a lieutenant. Perhaps Kane didn't feel he could promote her, but obviously it's intended so that she will be subordinate to um, Apollo, right? I mean, he's he's the only captain we're allowed to have. Well, like, I'm, sh- I'm sure they could have addressed that at some point. Yeah, she's still commander of her own squadron. Isn't Silver Spar Squadron now on the Galactica? Yeah, I believe they are. Yeah, uh, they were. Yes, they were completely moved off of Pegasus onto Galactica, and Sheba, minus those that got blown up in the right, fights. But, but yeah, yeah. Uh, but Sheba makes that analysis too, saying, "Okay, something's not, or Cassiopeia also. They both make that analysis. Something's not right. If he's moving us all over to the Pegasus, yeah, there's a bad thing going on here." No, but what do you think of her? Ashiba? Yeah. Well, it's kind of too soon to tell right now. Um, I will go so far as to say that I like Anne Lockhart. I have always liked Anne Lockhart. Yeah. I, you know, it part part of it is because it's like she looks so damn much like her mother doesn't she you need to look at her new uh, at her latest imdb photo holy crud i see her mother all over that i i could see her mother in back even back then i mean that was just like wow that is but just, yeah there's a lot of her mother so yeah obviously mom and, and daughter right and uh, and as and, and as a in a and in a bizarre form of loyalty because i adore june lockhart i felt this need that i have to like Anne. She sounds like her too. She does, but I but yeah, I do I do like Anne Lockhart. Um, I think I did not like the way she was originally portrayed. The way we first meet her, she she's very, you know. But again, she's she's here supporting dear old daddy. So I wasn't really very warm on the way she was coming off. But I would like to think that as the as the series goes on, because uh, I dare say the next episode of Battlestar Galactica, we will see more than just seven names in that credit sequence now. <laughs> That's right. We're still at seven in the train. We're st- we've been at seven all this time. We have been at seven the whole time. Yeah. Check it. Every, I have a funny. I do too. I was counting, time. especially this time around. I want to make sure that, okay, okay, have they added her yet or not? All right. Have you got anything else on this episode? Well, you know, the the interesting that I, as I was watching this last night, I had, you know, almost all my criticisms were for part one. I had very few criticisms in part two. I think they were beginning to settle into a, a, a you know, having established the, having established the, the disruptive factor, then they were beginning to settle into a pattern where they were having to work together. Mm. And I think that made a difference to the story. Could be. You know, that, that once, once you have that, um, and, and who doesn't love that, right? Isn't that what made Mission Impossible, the original series, what it was, is that, you know, that team working towards a goal and, you know, not not squabbling and pissing and moaning at each other. Right. And as as this is progressing along, you're beginning to get, you know, despite the fact that cocaine is still going rogue, you're, you're beginning to get sort of like the machinery is beginning to it's mesh It's coming back together. In. Yeah. Yeah. And, and so... And that's, that's, what you, that's what you're wanting to see. 
you're wanting yes. to see this coming together into something bigger and better, you know, uh, better than the sum of its parts kind of thing. That's, that's I too yeah. am sick of them running away. Well, I'm a little tired of it too. And we will get moments where they will actually get to turn around and strike back. And it's always nice when they do, but it's got to make sense. Mm-hmm. At the same time, you just don't, you know, abandon your fleet and go off, you know, and start attacking the bad guys, you know, and then, oh. you know, go ahead. Uh, I'm going to okay. say, you know, and then you, your viewers kind of sitting back thinking, yeah, and what happened during the during that entire time you were away, you know, blowing off some base stars? Uh, what happened to all your civvies? Oh, dear. They're all dead. I One other thing I want to point out. If you don't mind me wasting half my flu, I might even bring her up to light speed. Oh, yeah. Which, again, makes it sound like top speed of a battle star is the speed of light. Yeah, yeah. Which, okay, I mean, I'm not saying that sounds t- scientifically accurate, <laughs> but by any such the imagination. But since he's talking about fuel, that would imply that they are using actual fuel propellant or propulsion some kind of fuel not warp drive right not hyperspace no they're, they're something like that they're using they're pushing some... it to the physical limit yep. of the universe yep. which is the speed of light yep absolutely which is of course ludicrous uh, but uh it is what it relativistic is. time dilation but uh, <laughs> we'll just leave that one there but uh, you know their scientific advisor finally put his foot down it's like nothing can travel faster than the speed of light okay well then we'll travel up to light speed we'll be okay. just under it by like maybe you know one mile per second or, or something like that yeah okay next time the Battlestar Galactica classic episode fire in space oh my god that one <laughs> Because let me, who let doesn't me lo- that. who doesn't love a good disaster story? Well, <clears throat> who doesn't love that? <laughs> I, I I guess we'll find out next time. <laughs> who doesn't love a good disaster? I'll I tell love you, a good disaster story. How about that? How about that? I know not so crazy about not so good disaster stories. So it's going to depend on whether this is a good one or a not good one. Anyway, Ben, thank you for joining me. Ah, pleasure. Listeners, I hope you'll join us all again next time on Fusion Patrol. Cheers. Fusion Patrol is a Lone Locust production. Like us? Please consider becoming our sponsor at patreon.com slash fusion patrol. We'd really appreciate it if you could leave us a review on iTunes. Stop by and visit us at our website, fusionpatrol.com. Search for us on Facebook under Fusion Patrol. Check out our Twitter handle at Fusion Patrol, or just send us an email at feedback at fusionpatrol.com. Please come join the conversation. Our music is Fight the Future by Amberwolf.